Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, team. Hey, it's a treat, isn't it? We actually have a full group here. Thank you, team, for singing with us and helping us. And uh, I love it. I think, especially in a season like this, but really every day, you and I have difficulty seeing our real blessing. I think we do. You know, there are partisan divides and right now canceled vacations and unemployment and That's just now, right? I mean, there's also disease and death and broken relationships. And I I think and I try and reconcile that. I don't know if you do, but it's in my heart, and I think it's probably in yours, that I try and reconcile that with this God who is all-powerful, all in control, everything he wants he can do. And there's this... I don't know, it's almost impossible not to have a little tension in that, to have a little bit of thinking that he's he's against me a little bit in some way. You know, maybe there's something I've done wrong, and he's not for me, or he's deservedly against me, or maybe undeservedly against me. I've got to change to get better with God. I want to talk to you about that this morning as we enter in, and we've entered into this season of refreshing and reawakening through Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 1 today. This is just our second message. We're only covering one sentence, but it's a doozy. So if you have your Bibles and want to be in them, Ephesians chapter 1 will be in 3 to 14. But let me, me again, come back to this and share personally. My mother-in-law, it was about 10 years ago now, she had, um, she developed breast cancer and got it treated, but then went through this very messy, hard divorce, didn't know the Lord, came up to Bellingham. And uh, I'll, I'll always remember when she got cancer again and moved in with us and had her bed in our living room as she went through hospice and she died. I always remember her on the kitchen counter with her hands kind of gripped and, and, and telling me, and telling me, God hates me. Because my life has been so hard. If he loved me, things would be different. Just look at the proof, she was saying, right? And, 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 and so the, the difficulty for us is that we don't see very well. And so I want to call you today to see something. Something important actually about the Trinity, and when I was a kid, the Trinity was a little thing. It's like, oh yeah, there's this argument people had in the, you know, 2,000 years ago, and that doesn't really touch me today. It's critical to how you think, because do you think God the Father really loves you? Because usually what I think is Jesus loves me, and he stands between me and the Father, because the Father's ready with a lightning bolt or something. So what we have today is one sentence, and it all centers not on Jesus, not on the Spirit, though they're both there working in the Trinity. It focuses on what you and your heart can settle on deep inside, on the Father's heart towards you, towards me. It's a perspective to see, a life to live, a wonder to feel. Because here's the truth, the astonishment to reawaken, the gospel, the good news, what is it? And that's especially necessary when we're in times like today and times like this season when we're not seeing actions that reaffirm 
our belovedness. Okay, so I want to talk about that. I want us to see it. In this passage, every blessing yours is what we're talking about. And it's Ephesians chapter 1. So turn on over to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to pick it up where we left off last week, which is in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to start with this. Blessing unmatched yours. Do you really know it, right? So here it goes. Verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, stop there first with me. He starts out saying, right, it's one sentence. It's going to go all the way from verse 3 all the way to verse 14. Single sentence from Paul. He's famous for these very long sentences. But he starts off with the subject. How praiseworthy, how blessed, how how much we should eulogize God and the Father of Jesus. So if I was going to say it now, I'd say, sing the praises of God the Father. And you're like, well... Okay, I can sing the praises of God the Father. He made everything. When I say God the Father, immediately I think of the lion in Aslan. I think of the deep, majestic, all-powerful God of the universe. He's the high and mighty God. And I start pulling thoughts of your own. He's stern, maybe your own father. Stern and strong. He's the provider Sometimes you don't know, could I ever really get his approval? Maybe it, he does provide. I mean, so yeah, sing his praises. Or maybe you don't have a father, so you think, well, father's a bad word. Well, this all starts with what we did last week. Here's what we said last week, and I, I challenged you to really think about it. And not just reject it out of hand. To lose your first love. Your first love is your love that God loves you. In any other context, that's a a statement that has no meaning because unconditional love in my marriage. I don't love my wife because she loves me. I love her. But in the setting of the Bible, in the message of the Bible, is that you're loved by God. And this is what sparks you. This incredible discovery that our Father isn't what the world does with fathers. He's not just a good provider. He's not a sperm donor. He's not an angry, distant, slightly disappointed character in your life. Come, says says Peter. I'm sorry, Paul. Come, eulogize, sing his praises, the Father of our Jesus. Come, you marinate in praising him, in blessing his name. You say, well, why would I do that? Because of what he's done for you. That's what he's saying, right? Because of what he's done for you. I love that he loves us. That's what's being said right here. Don't you love that God loves us? And that's how we're to think of the Father. We praise him not because of his power way out there. He's got it. Not because of his majesty that you can't approach. He has it. His deep otherness as a mysterious God. We love him because he's loved us. We know he does love us only because of the good news of Jesus. you got to get this. Bless God because he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Has done it. 
Now, it's okay. That's the statement, right? It's okay to say, really? Really, Dax? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing? (laughs) That's what I'm trying to hold on to? That I have every spiritual blessing? And the answer is, oh, yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. You say, okay, well, then name them. Name me my every spiritual blessing. <laughs> and, and and if you were asked that, you could come up with some, well, you know, he saved me and I'm going to heaven. That's a big blessing. That's right, you know, but it, it doesn't quite catch, doesn't quite encompass the depth of what you should just know about your father. That's what I think, because because. Paul goes on here. He doesn't stop. He, he's going to tell us what it means to him to have every spiritual blessing. This is what you got to know in your life because it's not about whether or not your circumstances are going well or, or how your relationships are going or how much fruit you're seeing or, or these things. It's not about those things. It's actually about something else entirely that we, that we marinate in. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What is it? Well, he says in verse four, there he starts. Even as, That means, here I'm showing you. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Do you get that? He he chose us before we ever existed. He hadn't done a thing. And what he did was not just this choosing, like, oh, whenever you hear choose, immediately I go into, or we're going to hit the word predestination, and you're going to hear, oh, yeah, I want to get into an argument. There's no argument here. There's just this amazing wonder of what God has done, the heart of the Father for you this morning. Before you were even born, before the world was even made, he'd chosen you to be blameless and holy. God had a plan for you. It was holiness and blamelessness that he was going to do for you. It's not chosen stop. It's chosen to be holy and blameless. We got to talk about how that's going to be. But that's an amazing, deep blessing. It's never something you can do on your own. As long as you work on it and try and climb the mountain, only God, in his incredible love for you, chose a way for you to be this. We'll get to how. And then he goes on, right? He says, in love, and that kind of goes with this next statement. It looks like there's a period there in English. There's no period in the Greece. He's just, but Paul's just going. He says, like, you got to be praising the Father, he says. Because way back in the day, Before you even existed, he chose you to be holy and blameless. And then it says in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as as kids, as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Okay, stop. God put you on the path to be his family. We're talking about the Father. We're not talking Jesus here. We're talking about the Father, the Father's plan in eternity past was to, was to predestined you, to pathway you onto the, to the family path. Adoption. 
God sets us up to be family, his family. And, and I, in my, in, in my life, adoption is a very special word. In this culture, sometimes it, it, you miss it because in the culture of the Greek culture that Paul's writing in, adoption was an irrevocable choice. You didn't like adopt someone and disown them later. One and done. It's like that here in our family, but the way we've done adoption and the way we think about adoption, and sometimes it's hard or sometimes it's easier. Well, no, me, no, no, it means this. You were taken and placed in someone's family forever. So, so think about it you with me. What he's saying is God the Father decided before you were even born, way back, way back before the world was made, he predestined you and who you are. He Not just predestined to someone. He predestined because he, he chose to make you his family forever. I start to see what Paul's saying every spiritual blessing. The God of the universe, not by... Your action, not by your value, not by your will, not by your doing good, not by your doing better, but according to the purpose of his will, it says. God purposed to love us. This is the message. The Father loves. It's amazing. This, by the way, is why the Trinity is so important to me and why you get this out of this passage. Because think with me back before you were born. Think about eternity past. Think about before the world was made. Get big with me for a minute, would you? Because here we walk and we say, okay, in eternity past, God has always existed. This is our faith. This is the Trinity. God has always existed with, 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 in, in a three in one. There's, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And, and, and we have that since etern- before anything was made. And so God the Father, who is He? Well, he's the all-powerful one. No, 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 no. That's act- He is. But when you think about the Trinity, the Father has eternally loved the Son. The Son receives the Father's love, and the Father loves. And, and what's being said by Paul, and it's deep, and it's mysterious, and it's amazing. What's being said by Paul this morning is, is that what's, what happened is you get to be in Christ. You get into his family, into this amazing stream of the love of God from eternity on the Son. Because what am I? What's the definition of a Christian? In Christ. The Father loves the Son. amazing we're in that son and the spirit testifies to us that it's true but the main piece is the love of the father this is who we are (laughs) you know in myself this is why it's so incredible these words because we are nothing we are dust from dust we come, from to dust we go. We're, we're, we're pieces of sand on the seashore. We are nothing. And here's the God of the universe. And he's come down and looked at you and said, I will set my love upon you. And you say, well, how do I know? He says, well, in Christ. Let me show you, says Paul, that this is the truth. This is, as we finish verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. 
Get that in the beloved, in the one loved. So who's the one loved? Jesus. And God has blessed us in the beloved, in Jesus. And it's about that belovedness, right? You're in Christ by his grace. So, so how did he do that? So, okay, wow, mind-blowing wonder. Is this really true that the one who rules everything, the one who controls everything, the one who has power over everything, the main thing the gospel announces to you is that he loves you. And he's in, you're in his family. Look what he's done in Christ. Uh, okay, but how? I mean, I can kind of say to the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah, that just means, right, that, yeah, I praise God because he did it all. I didn't do any of it. It's grace. It's a gift. That's the word there is gifted. He just dropped it in your lap, oh, precious person. This is why it's so amazing. He's, it's all grace, glorious grace. That's with which he's blessed us in the beloved. So, But I still, okay, I get grace. I guess that I didn't do it. What did he do? What did he do? This is the gospel, right? This is the heart of the gospel. This is your life. This is what he's done because it says in him, we have redemption, this beloved. Now it's talking about the beloved. It's talking about in Jesus. So in Jesus, who's the beloved of God, who responded to God in this way, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins or trespasses, the ESV says, according to the riches of his grace. Okay, whoa, stop. I know we're just going a verse at a time, but this is so amazing. One sentence, and here we are again. So, so, so this is the way that we're holy and blameless. This is it. We're in the family that, that we're gods, not by works of our own, not by anything we do, but we're given redemption. That's a buyback term, right? That's a ransom term. It means we had nothing to redeem ourselves. We were in the mud and the dirt and we're unworthy. But the precious blood, the loved one of God going and, and, and in love, shedding his blood, love for the Father, love for us because the Father loves us. If you've seen Jesus, we read in John 14, you've seen the Father. Amazing. The precious blood, the loved one of God going on and in love, shedding his blood for you and me. And in that blood is forgiveness of sins. Every wrong that you did, every wrong that you do, every wrong that you will do, every way in which you're imperfect, every way in which you fail, every way in which you miss the mark, every way in which you're just not there, and everyone else too. This is the strength of the love of God. Forgiveness, right? Not improvements. Forgiveness, sin forgiven, sin forgiven, sin forgiven, every sin. And, and, and do you think the blood is enough? 
because this is exactly what is the riches of his grace, it says, right? According to the riches of his grace, that every sin forever forgiven for you, not through your pledge of future obedience, not through your agreement to the terms and the conditions, like a contract for a new car, not through earnestly promising to not sin again, but according to the depths of the riches of what God provides. Oh, He didn't just tell us, like, yeah, hey, this is a thing. Do you you see what it says there? (laughs) In verse 8, which he lavished upon us. He lavished it upon us. Because I think, man, i got to take care of this blood. It's precious. So I'm not one little drop. Man, don't sin anymore. You might waste some blood. He lavished. When it says that, what I, my mind goes to is to Jesus' first parable. You know his first parable where he talks about the, how God, is the, who's the farmer, scattering lavishly the seed of life all over the world. See, that's so wasteful. He should conserve it. No, God lavishes his grace on you. Every sin forgiven. He adores you. And then he goes even deeper. That's what he's doing here. He's, Paul goes deeper. So, so forgiveness instead of improvement. And that's the depth of the Father God's plan. Because he says, there's riches of his grace that he wanted to give you this forgiveness in his blood and just splashes all over you. And you're forgiven and you're holy and blameless and the love of the Father for you. And this is these riches which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So so you get this, we, we're still talking about God the Father, even as we talked about how Jesus did it. It's about the Father. This is his plan. This is before time began, his plan. That the father says, I who am love and I adore my son and I'm going to sacrifice him because the love that I have is also going to be set on you, on me. God's plan from eternity to eternity is to forgive our sin and adopt us into his family, not because we praise him, but because he wanted to. I praise him because of this. Not because... I want this. This is the heart of the Father. This is what the death and resurrection, the suffering and bloodshed of Jesus reveals to you and me. That's what the Father has always had. This heart for you, for me. He adores you. He always had. has any, and, and I just, here's my call. Would you start to soak in it? Would you start to soak Get your fingers wrinkled in the pool of his love and, and, and breathe in the chlorine. You know, sometimes in pools and they're sitting around, oh, I breathe in the warmth of the hot tub. I'm breathing in. It's like I breathe in this amazing love of the Lord for you. Utterly adored in his family by his grace. And you know what? At this point, we could be done. 
I mean, that's a complete sentence. Paul, that, more than a complete sentence, it's a little bit of a run-on sentence in my mind. He's already gone and kind of gone off and done all these amazing things, right? Isn't he kind of done? We could be done, and I'm ready to be done. No, no, wait. He's not done. It's almost like, because he's on a roll, it's almost like he realizes there's going to be a gap if you stop here. There's going to be a gap in your thinking. And and in the spirit, he realizes we have this thinking, this gap thinking, and we think, oh, God in eternity past, he had me in his heart, and he sent Jesus for me, and he rescued me. But now, but now, what? Right? I better get to work or so. That's kind of a latent thing, not an actual thing. What it means is actual to be the addition of me, my great response, my movement towards God. And, and so like people through the ages, when you can't see something, we forget it. I, I often, I often, I don't know about you, I often, I don't see God's love for me. It's my blindness. I, I, I'm, I get it. But you're blind too. I, I need to remember God the Father. He's my creator. I remember God the Son. That's how it all happened. And we're in him. We're the object of the Father's love. But but I forget about what? The Spirit. I forget about the Spirit. The one who keeps us. We don't keep ourselves right now. And I think maybe I do keep myself. Or it's something I, I want to pick my shovel up. And that's what I think it's about. No, 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 wait. Keep going. Because the blessing kept, that's yours too. That, as he finishes this sentence, we pick up in 11. He says, in him, that's in Christ. Well, actually, I think now this in him is probably referring back up to God the Father, right? Because this has all been to God the Father. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Okay, that's, yeah, don't forget, your God is the God. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. I, what I want you to see as this sentence goes on is he says, hey, you're so in the family. You have an inheritance. He uses the predestined word again. You know, predestined to adoption means predestined to inheritance. Adoption is verse 5. There's... Verse 11, he's saying the same thing. If you're in the family, you're an heir. That's right here. It's the same thought. But this predestining, it's not on its own. It's predestined by Jesus to be in the family, to be adopted. You're not a people, but now you're his people. And, and this is, this is an amazing thing and, and not something that you strive after, right? That's the idea of an inheritance. An inheritance is what's given to you. According to the purpose of his will, not yours, the counsel of his will, his plan, his idea, his accomplishment, his doing, his everything. So we in hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Because it's all about grace. His work. His action. His love for the Father brought us into the family because the Father's heart is to love us. And, 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 and so this is what I think sometimes happens. Walk with me here just for a minute. So, so say I just tell you. Say I tell you. It's not true. Don't take your shovel. Say I tell you I buried a million dollars in your backyard. Ten million. A hundred million. 
Say there's a hundred million dollars that's been buried in your backyard. You know what my first thing I want to do is? Well, first I want, I don't think that's true. But what if God said it? And it is true. It's true because he did it. But I think, well, I gotta go get my shovel and I gotta dig it up. That's the thing I gotta do is do it. He says, no, no, it's not yours now. It's an inheritance waiting for you. Do you trust me? And that becomes the ticket for your life. Is what God said true? Not practice your shoveling skills. Not go make it sight. Do you trust it? How do I keep trusting that? That I have an inheritance. Right? That this is the issue. This is the thing I'm struggling with. This is, this is where the struggle becomes because all that other stuff I just told you, I, I, man, I hope you're soaking it and it washes over you, but it so quickly becomes, how do I experience more of this? You're part of a story. How do I stay in the story? How do I now, having a heart like this, how? How do I do it? And so he says this to end the sentence. In him, in Christ also, when you heard the word of truth, the message of God's love for you, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then there's a period, because now he's done. This is huge. (laughs) It's huge. This is how we get in, right? You hear it. So you also, when you heard, not the ones who just saw Christ, but the ones who hear, that's what you and I are doing today. We're hearing the word of truth. The God of the heavens adores you. Here's Jesus, and he did it for you. And, And it's all grace, and here it is, hearing the word. And what's the word of truth? It's not the law. It's not the rules. It's not the history of Israel. It's not the meta narrative. It's God's love for you. The gospel of your salvation. What we've been talking about right here. So this message of truth, grace and truth brought in Jesus. God the Father loves you. Jesus' blood is the way into his family. And you turn to that, right? You turn away from yourself and you're striving, your own self-sanctifying, your self-righteousness and your self-orientation. And you turn and you trust this incredible grace. Grace. And you receive it. This amazing truth, the simple good news that we struggle to trust. And, and when, we, when we do that, we say, wow, is this true? Something remarkable is promised to us, right? In fact, it's stated as a fact. Here it is again. When you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You get that? This is the third member of the Trinity. He comes and he seals you like a letter, like a soda pop can, like a safe. You're safe. He's our guarantee. He's our settled assurance. He's our deep knowing. And, and even getting there is not based on us after we begin to trust. Who's the one charged with getting us through? The Spirit is. The Spirit is. So, so fruit, the Spirit's job. So peace and comfort and steadfast endurance, the Spirit's job. So teaching and reminding and, and, and using and, and life here, the Spirit's job. And He's keeping you. Promised. 
He's our guarantee, in fact. He says, until we acquire possession of it. He's talking about heaven. Until we get to heaven. It is not your doing. Don't judge it or try and measure it because it's by promise. It's not by your praise or your glory or your merit. It is to the praise of His glory. Okay, we need to be done. I I could do this all day because I get excited. This is the gospel. It's not yes, but it's only yes. Our motives, you know, our motives, I try and get people really when I pitch people and so in our society, I want them to do something. I'll pitch all the benefits to them. I'll just say all the ways in which because I want them to respond. I want them to buy in. I want to grab them and control them or do whatever I want for them to do. This is not that. God has done this for us. The inheritance is in your backyard. Promised. Will you just trust Him? Will you trust that He's done it? Will you start to soak in that today? Go somewhere else to focus on what you need to do for God. Go somewhere else to leave your first love. But here in Ephesians, oh, that we might see today, it is clear, as clear as you will ever have, as clear as you need, you are forgiven. You are in His family by the promise of God if you'll just trust what Jesus has done. You're sealed, you're kept, you're guaranteed by the promise of God. Oh, praise Him, precious receiver of grace. Let your heart be warmed, your soul filled, your life at rest. We can do this together. Linking arms to say, the Father of heaven from eternity past has set His love on us. It's true. Let's pray.